Anytime we're building any kind of product very quickly, especially the MVP, there's a ton of trade-offs to be made. A lot around speed, efficiency, scalability, you know, the whether these are going to be real and meaningful. So one of the key issues was, you know, hey, we're building out something that's going to let you see connection for another team that you haven't met before. You know, it's not like we could look at that and say, hmm, these people really are really connected. Our, our platform's doing the right thing. So one of the questions was, how do we measure connection for other people that we've never met before? My name is Sean Ramirez. I am the VP of Data Science at Mystery. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Sean Ramirez joined an enigma of a company to create happiness at work through shared experiences. All this and more on Code Story. Sean Ramirez spent a decade as a political science professor studying terrorism and strategic negotiations. Five years ago, she switched into tech in order to make a positive impact, joining startups with great missions. She's created training programs, worked in AI, scaled teams, and dug into the data science world. But outside of tech, she lives in Seattle with her family and loves all the outdoor things you can do in the Pacific Northwest. Sean tells the story of how her current venture started out as being a dating service, but pivoted when the pandemic hit, two positive events for remote teams. Being on one of these remote teams and consuming the events, she fell in love with the idea and joined the team to build and deliver shared experiences with powerful insights. This is the creation story of Mystery. Mystery is a company that is creating happiness at work. And the way we primarily do that is by building these surprise events for teams at different companies. So our other companies like Amazon or Microsoft, they might be our customer and we create these surprise experiences for them. How we got started doing that is a bit of a roundabout story. The company originally was almost a dating service. So let's say you wanted to take your partner out for some surprise date. You would let Mystery know and Mystery would create the date for you. They would orchestrate the cab ride and Uber would show up at your door at a specific time. It would take you to a surprise thing. The next thing you know, you and your partner would be going salsa dancing and making salsa that night. And you'd have a salsa and salsa adventure. And you'd go home from this surprise and be super excited that you went on this really fun surprise adventure. But COVID happened and the surprise dating app world, you know, became not quite a good thing to go on surprise dates with random people who you had not met before. So the company switched into trying to figure out virtual events for people. They were originally doing virtual events for dates, but they started to realize that actually virtual events create really positive outcomes for remote teams and remote teams seem to be buying into this. I actually was part of a remote team that did a mystery event before joining mystery. And it was really fun. We had jokes. I met and found out new interesting facts about people. I learned who played music in a past life and who were part of different band, jam bands for a while. So it was really exciting. 
So Mystery found this little niche where it could create these amazing positive outcomes for remote teams and then just went on continuing to do that. So now we build these really creative virtual events for people. It allows you to see people in new ways and new contexts and it's really fun and engaging. And then you get this nice shared memory out of it and that kind of shared memory becomes the well of trust that that is that foundation for culture and positive experiences later on for that team. And that is basically what we do. So, we basically measure the connection levels of different employees. We look at all their interests for different employees, how they're meeting, take all this digital footprint data. That's what we really do. We infer the level of connection you have on different teams and we say, "Yeah, you know what? This person over there, they're not as connected as they should be. This other person looks like they're getting siloed right now." This other person, you know, they look like a prime connector. They're really a super connector. They're connected to everybody. And what we do is we take these people and we arrange surprise experiences that get them together in ways that become part of that core foundation for a company so that they have higher levels of engagement, higher levels of productivity, all spun out of these surprise events. Let's dive into the MVP of that pivot. Now, you know, tell me that story. What sort of tools were used to bring it to life to to pivot it? How long did it take to build? Tell me a little bit there. So to pivot it, it had to be some sort of platform that was that was something that we could market to chief people officers or CHROs, chief human resources officers, people leaders. As people leaders, they look at their companies and at least at my previous company, what we used was Lattice. Great software lets you see what's going on with your employees, lets you survey your employees and you see what's going on and you say, "Oh, you know what? Morale is down. Something's going wrong." You take another survey, you dip in a little more, you try to figure out where the problems are, but it's really hard. It's hard for those companies to navigate that. So we thought, let's build a platform at Mystery that allows these leaders to dip in a little bit further and see what's going on a little more crisply and cleanly, specifically with regard to connection. So we designed, I should I shouldn't say we, really our amazing designers and product team designed a platform that lets you see a representation of engagement. So in real time, you can see who on your team is more or less connected, viewed in one of these like spider web network graphs that are very typical I think in in maybe social sciences. And what it lets you do is double click quite literally on different teams and people to see how is this team doing? What's going on with this leader? Do they need more support? Are they connected enough to other teams that we think they should be connected to? Maybe our sales team we think that they should be spending more time connecting externally and not connecting internally. Are we seeing those signs exhibited in, in this data? And so that's what we built first. Was first step was building an engagement graph in a platform and make that something that people leaders could easily double click into. So with that, right, with building any sort of MVP, and I know this is a this is a pivot, but what sort of decisions and trade-offs did you have to make when, you know, creating that version of the product? And and I think I'm curious about, you know, how how those decisions went and how you coped with them. Anytime we're building any kind of product very quickly, especially the MVP, there's a ton of trade-offs to be made. 
a lot around speed, efficiency, scalability, you know, the whether these are going to be real and meaningful. So one of the key issues was, you know, hey, we're building out something that's going to let you see connection for another team that you haven't met before. You know, it's not like we could look at that and say, hmm, these people really are really connected. Our, our platform's doing the right thing. So one of the questions was, how do we measure connection for other people that we've never met before? What kinds of data do we have to get in to build a baseline view that is real enough and meaningful enough for a team that we've never met before that may be on the other side of the world? And we have to show them a connection score in this graph that's going to be meaningful. So that was the first question was like, how are we going to measure connection for teams? How are we going to display it to them in a way that is believable and credible to people? And I, I would love to just let you think of this for a moment about how much of an impression that this can make if this if this information is wrong. So imagine that, you know, we show you your graph for your team. Your graph says, hey, th- uh, this person over here, this person's not well connected to the rest of your team. You might look at that and that might that person might be you. And you might say to yourself, like, what are you talking about? I'm really connected. So if we're going to surface that kind of information on the platform, we have to really stand behind it. And we have to believe it. We have to think we're able to measure this level of connection for someone we haven't met before. They're going to look at this themselves and see their own little person on the graph and, and the level of connection that they have to other people. So getting that right was the first thing was how do we get that right in a meaningful way? That's still going to be an MVP where we can build upon it and we can make useful inferences out of that. Another issue that we came up with was how do we surface this for people on the platform in a way that's meaningful and useful for them and then connect that somehow to our events, right? Because we have these events. So let's say they double click on it and they say, yeah, this this team over here, they're not as well connected. What should we do? Now we've got to figure out a way on our MVP to also surface the events that we're recommending, where we're going to recommend that salsa and salsa workshop, or we're going to say, you know what would be really great. We think it would be great if these people made key lime pie together, or we think it'd be great if we brought in a comedian and the comedian helped to remove the isolation of this leader by putting them on the hot seat for a little bit, because that would open up some vulnerability and that would let people see this leader in a new light. And that would help us help us create the right foundation there for the future. And so creating the, the interface that allowed people to double click into their engagement side, as well as understand what kinds of events we had as a company, what kind of events Mystery has in store for them. That has been another question about how do we do that? How do we surface the right events, which opens up an entire world of data science in terms of, you know, what's the right sequence of events? What's our marketplace of vendors look like? How do we get those organized in a way so that people are uh, using the wide array of potential events that we have for them in in a useful way? We don't want to bombard people with 100 events just because we think 100 events would be good. We want to make sure they're sequencing them in the right way. They're getting the right people together at the right time and that they're having positive experiences. And then also that we're able to measure and track and understand the impact on connection afterward. So all of that required extra trade-offs and coordination between our development teams to understand what's going to be possible for the customer side, what's going to make sense for them, what makes sense in contracting, how does this make sense for product, how is data science going to develop the right metrics to support here, the right models to support, and how is engineering going to build the actual interface that lets people do this. Some of this in my next question is part of what you mentioned, but I'm going to to ask you to take it a little further. 
how have you progressed the product and how have you matured it? And to wrap that in a box a bit, what I'm looking for is how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with mystery. The company's mission is to make people happier at work. And if you think about how many things are possible to include in making people are happier at work, it's pretty much everything, right? It goes through compensation, of course, can make people happier at work. These events that we're bringing them together make people happier at work. And there's a bunch of different, what we think of as levers that we're building. So there's water cooler moments. There are happy hours. There's in real life offsites that people have that all can increase that, that same happiness that we're trying to drive at for work. One of the th- ways that we scope our roadmap is by isolating and doing the ROI or calculating the ROI on these potential levers. We think, what are these levers? What's the landscape of these levers look like? You know, a lever could be that in our interface that we're building, you can give each other awards. And maybe that's really important for team members to be able to award each other different things. Or you can see some sort of leaderboard for culture, or you can set up ERGs, um, employee resource groups that maybe that gets you more involved in the company. So there's a lot of different levers. So what we do first is we definitely scope the ROI on these levers and try to figure out what's going to make sense. Collecting digital footprint data requires planning ahead about where we're going to collect that digital footprint data. So we started with calendar integration, thinking that's the easiest way to measure connection is by seeing who's actually connecting via these calendars. Uh, meaning we look at your Google calendar, we take in a bunch of information about who you're meeting with, when, how often. So that gives us an interesting uh, landscape of, of what these people are like and, and how they're connecting and how they're being present with each other. There are other sources of data that that fall into the digital footprint landscape too that we could also get. So HR data, understanding where you sit in the organization can be important. You know, a CEO, we want our CEO to probably not be super well connected with every single individual at the company. If they're meeting and connecting with everyone, they might not be doing the other jobs that are really important. On the other hand, somebody who's in product may be very well connected with very many teams. And so... For us, it was really this question of, in order to understand and make sense of that connection data, we really need to understand the contextual information around the organization. What does that organization look like as a whole? What should their level of connection be so that we're making the right recommendations? So we started getting HR data. And really, the roadmap has progressed by us thinking about, hey, in order to make this happen next, we're going to need this data source coming in. And once we get that data source coming in, that'll become part of our digital footprint. But we have to plan that. We have to get engineering resources for that. We have to figure out how we're going to make use of that. We have to test it. And then it gets to actually go into the system. So a good part of our roadmap, therefore, is divided among these two parts. We either are figuring out what the levers are that we're going to be creating and then what kind of digital footprint we're going to need to make those levers really effective. Let's flip over to team then. So how, how do you guys go about building your team? And what do you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? You know, we, of course, are looking for quality skills. We also want well-rounded expertise. If we're thinking about making people happier at work, it's a personal product. What makes you happy at work may not make me happy at work. Uh, my husband is constantly joking around. He is, you know, he's he's a little more introverted than I am. So he really doesn't think of happy hours as being very fun. He thinks of book clubs as being more fun. So 
we want a really diverse team that takes in and thinks about these things regularly when they're creating some of the product and when they're looking at the data. One person's level of connection doesn't necessarily look the same as another person's level of connection. The factors that go into that that make them feel connected may be different. So we care a lot about creating a diverse team that brings in some of these perspectives directly into their work. Another thing we think about is values and being mission driven. Our company's focused on making people happy. So one of the questions we ask people is, when were you happiest at your last job? And and I really want to know that answer. Like when were they happiest at their last job? It tells us something about their motivation, about how they feel connected to other people, when they feel connected to that company, and also what they think about when they're trying to make people happier. So really focusing on getting the mission right, getting people who really believe in the product that we're building and trying to make people happier at work, and then people who understand that happiness comes in all different forms. Let's flip to scalability and how you're describing how you approach the different, you know, integrations into data. I could foresee some challenges with scalability, but I'm going to ask it kind of generic. Was this built to scale efficiently from day one or are you fighting this as you grow? I think we're fighting it as we grow or fighting the scalability question as we grow. You know, we've brought in some experienced people and I think that's good because that can help us make the right choices as you decide on how you're going to scale. Our leadership team is very well coordinated, I would say. So we're thinking carefully about how do we scale on the customer side and how do we build product in the right way so that we're making the right investments. And then on the technical side, we're also getting certain things right in advance. Some of the feature flagging, building out all of our analytics capabilities first, making sure we have single source of truth on our data so that the team understands where they should scope things and where our production data lives versus where our production replica lives for analytics, etc. We're investing in data engineering skills also on our team to make sure that we have the data pipeline in a way that works. And then on the data science side, we are trying to build out the baseline models as well as some hill climbing metrics for ourselves. So really getting the hill climbing metrics right can help us understand, hey, we're at we're at 12% accuracy for this and therefore we want to get to 15 and then 18 and so on. Creating those things first helps us get the right iterative process to get the customer service end of it right, as well as the internal metrics right, and hopefully the data pipelining and technical model development right. There are a lot of things in there though, so I'm sure there are tons of tons of holes and tons of room for thinking about how we continue to scale this. Okay, well, LaShawn, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you're building, what are you most proud of? When I think about the world that we live in right now, you know, there are a lot of really interesting data science products. There are a lot of AI products that are being built that are really interesting. The actual space of AI to support human resources is very large. It's been growing for the past five years pretty significantly. I think there's a lot of people analytics tools. There are a lot of tools that help uh, people navigate different employee contexts, uh, which is great. And when I look at what Mystery is building, I think we're carving out a space that I think is unique and needed right now. We're thinking really carefully about what connection looks like and how to actually get people to intervene on that rather than just seeing some of the analytics coming in about how their organization may be be in trouble or certain people may need support. 
figuring out the intervention science behind that, the connection science and intervention science behind that is really interesting. And so when I look out from the balcony, I'm thinking a little bit about what are the what are the problems of today and are we addressing the problems of today and also the problems of tomorrow? I like what Mystery is doing because I think that they're really paving that way for the future for us to build out interventions that have a causal impact on uh, the outcomes that people have at work. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. When I think about a mistake I made, certainly in understanding, trying to understand what is it that we're building and how big is this going to get? This was a, a question I had. And it was a question for like a good three weeks of time or four weeks of time trying to figure out how how big is this going to get? How much of a data science question is this? You know, we're trying to measure connection. Can data even really answer this question? Is there an amount of data where I'm going to know if someone's really connected with another person or if a team's really happy? Like, how am I going to turn that into a data question? So I think a mistake I made was really underestimating it at first. I really started thinking that, oh, you know, it's not it's not that big because we can't figure out if people are connected. After the first month, I, you know, did a lot of scoping, did a lot of creative thinking, uh, talked to a lot of people to try to figure it out. Definitely the determination was there to figure it out and really asked myself, how do you scope this into a large AI product? And started thinking about, you know what, we're going to need to build these large machine learning pipelines that help us understand taxonomies of connection over time. We're going to need to understand what forms connection for people given these organizations and what does connection look like? It's really multidimensional and it's dynamic. It's something that changes. It's more like a fabric of connection than like a connection score. There's something to it that has to do with maybe the work you're bringing, the accomplishments you have, the team you're talking to, where you sit in the organization. There's all kinds of different aspects to it. Are you hybrid or remote? That affects whether you're connected or not. Bringing all that together to try to create, here's a dynamic understanding we can create. Here's the different inputs that are going to give us some information on that. Here's the different taxonomies or ontologies that Mystery is going to support for mystery kinds of events that are going to be not just any events, but specific events that are geared toward increasing trust and leadership or increasing intra-team collaboration. We're going to have specific metrics that are very varied and different and targeted that help us understand not just connection, but trust and leadership and sense of belonging and maybe other things too that help us understand the highs and lows that you go through as an employee at a company. And I think we all know those highs and lows intuitively. We know that we've gone to offsites and we felt really motivated after them, or we know that we had a certain celebration for a benchmark or a milestone that was reached and we're really excited about that and motivated for a little while. Really putting a data fingerprint to that, I think has been an interesting question for myself, trying to figure that out. The mistake I made was underestimating it and thinking we couldn't get it. And I'm glad to have made that mistake because it really made me be skeptical of the product and think about it carefully and say, okay, if we're going to do it in a way that's credible and believable, what what are the right cogs we have to put in place to get get the right answers for people, especially thinking people are different and it looks different everywhere. What does the future look like for Mystery, the product, and for the team? The future is definitely about creating these new levers. Um, You know, there are a lot of different ways that people are connecting. 
we are using right now these virtual events and some in real life events, but we want to get further than that. So let's get into the nitty gritty here. And for your next offsite, can mystery plan your tables? Like, can we tell you where people should sit? Can we give you a schedule that helps you understand how to interlace high level things with near term productivity focused events with some cultural engagement? So can we do that for you? Can we create an integration with Slack that helps you connect more directly to people or create integrations to other kinds of apps that are commonly used, Miro or Figma or other things like that? How do we get more data to build this stronger dynamic pipeline to support that? That's a big question. So I think the future of the product and the future of the team is really to continue to build these things. So really expanding beyond events, expanding the platform beyond this as well, and building out the platform so it supports more of that that chief people officer role. And then also giving them more of those interventions and that diagnosability and interpretability. For data science, one of the fun things about that for me is I have a background in causal inference. So I, I love the idea of bringing in causal causal impact analyses and really creating some good causal stories and bringing causal machine learning to help us understand like what is explainable or not when we look at data at scale. Okay, Sean, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. You know, for one who influences the way I work, I listen to a ton of podcasts and I love hearing these data science leaders explain what they're doing and some of the complication behind it. I think it is really interesting to see uh, the challenges that other teams are going through, that other leaders are going through, and to hear about how they navigate them or what they what they find to be important, what they stack rank at the top. So I think that is super interesting. Not a particular who, but more like a general global set of people that are, I think are doing incredible work. I do advocate for and I use an executive coach. Really, you know, if, if you haven't had an executive coach or haven't had the time for professional coaching, I think that is an amazing thing to do to really unpack some of the some of the strengths and opportunities that you have and see something from outside that perspective and give that professional lens to it. So that always influences my work. And then finally, I think my husband is my biggest critic. So he's my biggest supporter and biggest critic, and he always influences me because he makes me think hard about what I'm doing and and make sure that I have some rigor behind it. So he's more of the skeptic, and so he just gives me that skeptical perspective. Well, okay, we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin, and I know it's early, but I'm I'm curious if you could go back to even the beginning in in July, what, what would you do different, or where would you consider taking a different approach? The company made a couple of pivots, which made things move very quickly. And I totally understand that's the kind of thing that you have to do at a startup. One of the things that I would do differently is I would probably do a little bit more scoping of the customer first. I would talk to some of these people officers and CHROs to see what are they using already? Really, how do we use and integrate some of those tools right off the bat? So uh, we don't have a lattice integration right now. We do have a HRIS system integration, but it doesn't integrate necessarily some of those things which we're working on to get some of the survey information or other kinds of views that people leaders typically see and really connect from a direct line from those things that people are using to the kinds of services that we offer. 
The other thing I would do there is I would use some of that information to really scope some initial levers and ask if the events lever is really, you know, the one we want to prioritize first. We prioritize that first because we were a dating app, but, you know, it could be the case that it may make sense to prioritize some other things first because we get more digital footprint data or because there's a higher ROI for those teams. They're, they're maybe, they are connecting more via those other tools. Maybe it makes sense to integrate those first instead. So if I could go back differently, I would do a little more research and think about it a little bit more and then embark on this fun journey. Okay, last question, Sean. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't we show it off to you right there on the plane? What advice would you give that person having gone down this road a little bit with me? I mean, I would love to meet that person who is building the next big thing on a plane. I, I do love thinking about the, the amazing startups that are being developed and, and the big things that they're working on. Now, assuming they're the CEO, they're the CEO founder or something like that, my advice to them would be to dream really big and really lean on and use the expertise of your team. So surround yourself with people who can help you take that dream and dream bigger and really let them do it. Let them go at it. People have amazing ideas. And when once they get started actually building those products, building those companies, the thing to do next is to just keep dreaming big and figuring out what that next big iceberg is um, or what's that best next, next big piece of, uh, of the jungle to carve out. So I think dream big and then surround yourself with people that you love to engage with and take advice from and have them dream even bigger. That's great advice. Well, Sean, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of mystery. Thank you so much. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 